0: Welcome to the GUT Podcast. On the paper, Helicobacter pylori promotes colorectal carcinogenesis by deregulating intestinal immunity and inducing a mucus-degrading microbiota signature. Published in paper copy in GUT in July 2023. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Digital and Education Editor of GUT an Honorary Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool, United Kingdom. And I extend a very warm welcome to Professor Marcus Gerard from the Institute of Medical Microbiology, Immunology and Hygiene, School of Medicine, Technical University of Munich, Munich, Germany. Professor Gerard has been investigating Helicobacter pylori infection for more than 25 years, and is a renowned expert in the field. Professor Gerard is also the senior author on this excellent paper. Professor, thank you so much for joining me today to do this podcast, and congratulations to you and to your team on this superb paper. Firstly, could I ask you to explain the background to your study on why researching this area is important
1: Yes, th- thank you very much, Phil, for this um, nice and excellent introduction and the opportunity to further discuss um, our paper. So uh, what made us investigating um, this phenomenon? Um, Our interest came from epidemiological studies um, which have been around for a couple of years indicating that people infected with Helicobacter pylori have a nearly two-fold increased risk for colorectal cancer. And while those Epidemiological studies are are pretty convincing and have already been summed up in meta-analysis. The mechanisms behind this observation were completely unclear. And since we in in, in our research group are interested not only in helicobacter pylori and gastric cancer, but also in colorectal cancer, at some point we decided that we would want to understand what's, what's, what's behind that. You must understand that in the, in the past couple of years, research on Helicobacter pylori, while being focused to the stomach, has more and more extended to other organs. And it has been become clear that Helicobacter, while being an infection that is restricted to the stomach, has systemic consequences. So we observe immune alterations in several other organs, such as the lungs, where Helicobacter pylori infection seems to prevent from childhood asthma, and we've observed changes in the gastrointestinal microbiome. And therefore, we decided to mechanistically explore how Helicobacter pylori may impact or affect the development of colorectal cancer.
0: Thank you, Professor that's really interesting. I think uh, Helicobacter pylori has been incredibly interesting for decades, as you described, ever since Professor Barry Marshall uh, first uh, tested it on himself. Could you explain the new findings your study has found? So what what we did was we initially used a well-established mouse model
1: in which mice harbour a specific point mutation giving rise to the development of intestinal and colon tumors at a certain age. This mouse model, which is called APC-MIN, is very well established and used all over the world and is well suitable to try to um, investigate potential modulating effect on colon cancer development. And when we infected those mice with Helicobacter pylori, we observed that the mice developed twice as many tumors and those tumors developed earlier and grew faster um, and were more aggressive. So with that finding, we could for the first time provide experimental proof that helicobacter pylori infection indeed accelerates and increases colorectal cancer development. And from that point, we then went through a very thorough mechanistic analysis of potential factors which may contribute to that phenotype. And we showed that Helicobacter pylori infection induced a chronic inflammation of pro-inflammatory T-cells into the intestine and colon, so-called Th17 T-cells, which have been related to colorectal cancer development in the past. And in in addition to these pro-inflammatory factors, we observed quite drastic changes in the gut microbiome, which was also um, related to Helicobacter pylori infection. Now, moving forward, we could then show that when we transplanted this, let's call it Helicobacter pylori associated microbiome into um, recipient germ-free mice, this transfer of microbiome was sufficient to phenocopy the effect meaning that those recipient mice then would also develop similar alterations as we had observed in the um, helicobacter-infected colorectal cancer mouse model. So with that, we could show that the microbiome is indeed um, carcinogenic or is shaped in a carcinogenic way by helicobacter pylori and accelerates tumor development. And then finally, to move into potential preventive um, measures, we eradicated Helicobacter pylori in our model with a well-established eradication schedule that's also used in in patients. And we could show that that eradication completely abrogated the tumor-promoting effect. So with all those findings taken together, we're pretty convinced that we have proven that Helicobacter pylori indeed accelerates colorectal cancer development, not only in mice, but also in a human cohort where we could corroborate the exact same alterations we had observed in mice.
0: Thank you. That's fascinating and, and sounds very, very important and relevant. This leads me on to ask, how might this impact on clinical practice in the foreseeable future?
1: Well, mice are not men, so obviously all those findings need to be confirmed in a clinical setting. And um, we think that um, based on our results, Helicobacter pylori must be considered one of the strongest risk factors for colorectal cancer. And with these odds ratios of of around two, which we find in the literature and which we observed as well, that's an odds ratio that's stronger than, for example, many other environmental factors such as smoking, gender, or ethnicity. And with such a strong risk factor, one should certainly consider to eradicate Helicobacter pylori in, in a colorectal cancer prevention program. Having said that, we require a clinical trial to ultimately prove that. So we foresee that clinical trials are going to be performed that try to employ helicobacter pylori eradication in a high-risk population, observe the development of colorectal cancer or precursor lesions, and then ultimately um, incorporate that in colon cancer screening and prevention programs.
0: Wow, that that really would be a change because uh, I think most gastroenterologists would agree that we don't tend to test the H. pylori in a colon, colon cancer situation so far. Thank you for explaining that. So, how might this study impact on research priorities in the foreseeable future? You've you partly described that in randomized trials already.
1: Absolutely. That's, from the clinical perspective, certainly one of the next steps to go. But also on the scientific level, obviously, uh, our study is only and hopefully only a starting point, but will foster many other future projects. So, for example, an aspect which will certainly be important to analyze is the contribution of certain helicobacter virulence factors. So we know that helicobacter has a number of virulence factors that are involved in pathogenicity. There's a very strong link of the helicobacter pylori cytotoxin-associated gene A, or short KGa, with gastric cancer development. And we need to understand if those virulence factors are also linked to the development of colon cancer. The other aspect which which we find very interesting is the exact detailed understanding of the functional and mechanistic contribution of the microbiome. So what are those microbiome components or consortia which contribute to colon cancer development? And could those Microbiome signatures either used in as biomarkers for early detection of colon cancer or pre-neoplastic lesions, and could they eventually also be being used as therapeutic targets? So could we correct such a Helicobacter-associated dysbiotic microbiome in order to interrupt? this process and prevent colon cancer development. That's, uh, that's what we think are, are very urgent questions to be followed up.
0: They certainly sound like very important and urgent questions. So thank you very much for explaining that. And thank you, Professor Gerard, for doing this podcast today, this GUT podcast. And congratulations once again to you and to your team on this fantastic and really important paper being published in GUT. To our listeners... If you'd like to read the paper in full, please click on the link underneath this podcast. And of course, please do join us again in the future for further gut podcasts.